in this episode with Harry Oram. Because, because um, what am I? Right, and I get, I've been told this my whole career. Like, what are you? We need to be able to sell you, right? You're English, you're not white enough. You're Asian, Asian culturally, Asian a little bit in your face, right? Maybe if we surround you with Asians and dress you a certain way, you look more Asian, mm -hmm. but then you're not Asian enough, right? And you hear a lot of the mixed race actors get this, right? You're not Asian enough, you're not white enough because we're, we're pushing an Asian lead because we have to tick that box. So there's a lot of tick, uh, oh, box ticking. Loads of box ticking right now, right. rather than based on talent. It's funny because in New Zealand, I, again, I came, I came back, I'm like, guys, I'm here to work. What is there? Oh, you look, you look Maori, right? Especially in the sun, I'm very white right now. Like, I, get, I, get, I, like, I get a lot darker. Mm. You can play Maori. Okay, but if anyone finds out you're not Maori, you can't play Maori. Okay, so let's not play Maori. Oh, you're not white enough and you can't do the New Zealand accent. You can't play New Zealander. Okay, so, so what can I play? Wait till Lord of the Rings comes back and you can be an orc. I've got to find the people to make myself. And you see that happen with a lot of talented actors and people, talented artists in general, that don't fit the mold, like a Ricky Gervais, right? Like Ricky Gervais started, and this is before we get into eth ethnics, right? Ricky Gervais started. You're going to tell me that's what a leading man looks like? Uh-uh, right? Ricky Gervais wrote, wrote his own material. He creates The Office. And with The Office, he brings his own people with him. And that's the best thing that um, the, the aspiring artists can do now is to see themselves not just as actors, but as creators, whatever that is, right? As YouTubers, TikTokers, whatever is that, you build up yourself, right? And that's why I'm fascinated with what you do because that's, that's what I'm teaching them now. You, can't, you can no longer go back to the James Dean, Marlon Brando era where it's like, I'm going to work on my talent and sit and wait, right? And the director's going to discover me. Well, I'm really good looking and I'm going to pull bully steel and someone's going to find me. No, right? There's so many voices. There's so much content out there. So if you want to separate yourself, don't. And the thing is, how would you feel if you rode the coattails of diversity box tick, right? I'm an Oscar winner because the first opportunity I got is because someone wanted someone semi-Filipino, right? Rather than someone going like, shit, Harry's super talented. I want him in my yeah. movie, yeah. right? You would, always, you would always have that little chip on your yeah. shoulder. The other thing about pursuing acting, uh, it, it, it allows you to look at a lot of darker aspects of life. I have seen people far more talented than me with so much more to offer, pursue their dreams, meet these hardships, and commit suicide. Mm. Um, there is something, there's such a risk in looking inwards and saying, this, this is what I want to be about. This is my passion. I'm going to fully show you who I am. And you face rejection, right? especially with acting. You face rejection and that, and that feels like you're not enough. And not just your talent or your look, it feels like you're not enough. And so I, I understand so much um, anxiety and grief that comes from people. And because already they're so brave going, I'm going to give this a shot. And then they've got to be even stronger to overcome rejection because rejection is inevitable.
Harry. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking time out to My come pleasure. and talk to us today. Really appreciate it. Um, you know a little bit about what our podcast is about. Yeah. So I'll, I'll get straight into it with a question about the title of our podcast. Wow. Um, I'm going to ease into this. Straight yeah, straight into it. Yeah, Jump in the deep end. Now, I don't know you're still a, a young fella, but um, you've, you've got a, quite a history behind you already. What's your, how would you describe what your life's work is at, at the minute? Where you, where you feel it is? What's, what's your life's work about? Um, I feel I'm very, I'm very privileged in that I, I understood to ask myself that question quite early on. And really it was at university. And I, I was looking at what I wanted out of life. And I, I looked at, I studied ancient history because I was told to pursue something that you were passionate about. I went to university in Edinburgh, so it's a four-year courses in Scotland. So I was always told, if you're going to do four years, it better be something you enjoy or you're going to drop out. So I was like, okay, well, I love telling stories. I love the history of stories. I love, I love history. I love, you know, the antiquities. Um, so, uh, so I pursued that, but that didn't give me a career path. I, no, one, no one ever gave me the guidance of what are you going to do after you finish studying? It was always the next goal, the next goal, the next goal, but university is the end. It's like, okay, well, now you get a job. Now what's your life about? So I didn't know. And I thought, okay, well, what if we make a lot of money first? And then that would give you the freedom to figure it out. And so I was looking at finance, I was looking at banking jobs, things like that. I had a back, you know, I had come from Hong Kong. I was looking at maybe going back to Hong Kong, getting into banking. And then I asked myself, well, and then this is the key that I, I ask a lot of people. I said, well, if I could do anything and I didn't care what people thought, if I could do anything and I didn't blame anybody, like, oh, you didn't give me a head start in this, I didn't have training in this, I didn't have an internship in this. If I just started from today, right now, what would I, what would I want to do? And I was, I want to tell stories. And I want to tell stories that inspire people to come to the same place that I am right now. Um, I had a background in martial arts and boxing. Um, I was very tempted to become, <laughs> to become a fighter. Um, but really, like, I... Uh, when I when I started looking into what does that mean telling stories because I also really enjoy writing, uh, I was able to harness you know my my skills as a fighter. I was also a singer. I was also a dancer, and I was able to take all these different experiences and go oh, okay. I'm going to, I can use this to to tell stories. And I didn't know much about acting yet. I didn't know much about the film career, so I started pursuing that. And uh, that's why it's very tricky when someone says what do you do, and you say well my primary job is I take acting work. But what I do is, is I, st I, I, I tell stories and I, in, I enjoy finding what people are passionate about. And are they telling that story? Or are they living the story that they want? And so for me, uh, acting is just, is, just a, is just a lens to look into that, to look into people. And the essence of that is to find out what is life about? What is your life about? Um, so yeah, yeah. So, that's, so, so that's so that's what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So so your life's work at this stage, mm -hmm. as far as you're concerned, is about telling stories and telling stories so in, in different ways. In right? different ways. So I run an acting school um, uh, here in Tauranga. So I've got a, I've got a lot of young students, but I've also got older students. We we go all the way up to 65, 70. You know, I've got seventy two year old. Mm. Um, it's never too late, right? To reinvent mm. yourself, to to learn about others, and it's just a way to do it. I also uh, I'm also I, I enjoy facilitating other people tell their stories, and that was something that I figured quite early on, and that's how it led me into filmmaking. Because let's say you're a writer, um, 
but you don't know how to make a film, but you're a good writer. Okay, well, let me help you write that and I can do the other stuff. Let's say you want to be a director, but you can't write or you don't know how to coach actors. So now I have a, I have a film department, I have a film school that we also look at that to fill in those places. And I also run a film festival so that if you have a, you have a story, it's tricky because sometimes you can have a great story, but you don't have a platform to tell it. So what's the value of a story that no one gets to hear? So we also have to build that platform that people can then hear your stuff. So I'm also building that platform for people to share their films. Mm, great. Okay. So look, there's, there's lots in there, right? And we'll come to all those those pieces that make up your life as it is now. There's lots and lots to you, mm -hmm. clearly. But if we can go back in time. Okay. Um, and, and maybe, you know, talk about you as a, as a younger person. You, you said that you loved or you do love ancient history and you love storytelling. Where does that come from? Uh, that's really interesting. So I, I was thinking about that uh, the last few years. And the reason why I'm back in New Zealand, I, I was in London, uh, in a play in London, when um, the C word hit. Mm. And uh, my family are in New Zealand, my father was here, and uh, my mother's here. So I, I moved back to New Zealand to be close to them. And I was thinking about this because now I have my own son, and I can't wait to do stuff with him. And I realized that so much of the great, like my desire to tell stories uh, comes from my dad. And, you know, not, not just reading me bedtime stories, but his fascination and passion. And stuff. You know, he's, he's the man, he's the kind of man that has, you know, massive library. And if you gave him permission, he would just be surrounded by books. He's a vivacious reader. Um, and and I, I, I inherited that passion. I definitely inherited the passion of, I get very frustrated when I know it's a good story and it's not told well, or even like a good joke mm. and it's not told well. They rush the punchline. Like, no, 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 you gotta, you gotta <laughs> set the scene. You gotta build up to it. Um, so the so art, it's, it's, the yeah, art so of storytelling, yeah, not just storytelling, but the art but, of storytelling. Yeah, definitely telling stories well. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and then and then the different mediums that it takes. One thing that I one thing that I'm I'm really excited about with my especially with my younger students is now we have. We have new forms that none of us know about, you know, with TikTok, with, 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 with YouTube, um, with social media. These are different forms of telling story. And then right on the cusp, we've got AI. Like, what's AI going to do to our ability to tell stories? Mm. You know, will we be able to differentiate between a human story and AI story? Mm. Um, what is the value of having life experience if an AI can write the same thing? That's the stuff that's fascinating about it. I'll explore that with my students. Yeah. Scary and fascinating. Scary and fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's actually what the, what the writer's strike in Hollywood is about right now. Right, well, okay. I mean, essentially. Because yeah. if you don't strike now before AI is too big or utilized, mm. then it's too late. Sure, sure. So, uh, and you mentioned America there. You've got, a, uh, you've got a blend of accents. I do. Depends who I talk to. Yeah. So I can hear a little bit of an Ameri American twang in there. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But... but so, so where did you start life? You know, where, where in, were you born? In the, in the womb. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, I, I, get, I take that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. Where did you first enter the world? <laughs> so you were born in Hong Kong. Yes. Is that right? So can you talk to me a bit about, you've mentioned about your dad already. Talk to me about, about your family and where you were brought up and what that was like. So, uh, so a, lot of, a lot of the... It, 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 like I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really nice blend of my parents because uh, my dad has this passion for storytelling and has the ability. My dad worked in radio, so he has this fantastic voice. 
Um, but my mom has this incredible compassion uh, for people and uh, has, a, has, a, has an, a, an incredible ability to, to take somebody's perspective, put herself in someone's shoes. And so when you have that together, you're able to see a lot of different stories. Mm. You know, it's not just my way. It's, mm. it's your, like, like yourself. You, 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 you become very curious. And I think curiosity is, a, is essential to, to telling good stories because that's how you find the little bits. That's how you find the bits that are engaging with other people. Uh, so my mother is, is, is um, she's born in Hong Kong as well. She has a Filipino background. Um, so her, she, she grew up with her family in Hong Kong. And my dad moved there, actually on his way back to England from New Zealand. Uh, you know, got work there, met my mom, and they just built their family in Hong Kong. Um, what, I, what I find really fascinating, and I, I love asking questions uh, with my mom about it, is, you know, my mom grew up in Hong Kong where it wasn't the Hong Kong it is now. She watched it develop. She watched it become one of the most desirable places to live in the world. She watched all of that happen. So, you know, a lot of the times they both say they're very fortunate to have picked that city. Well, you know, she was born there. He picked it randomly. Um, and 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 one of the one of the things that's imprinted itself on me so much uh, is the multiculturalness of Hong Kong. Uh, they call they call Hong Kong Asia's world city. It's one of its brands. It's, it's Asia's world city. And the I'm such a fan of the Chinese and the culture that I grew up in Hong Kong because that's where my work ethic comes from. Uh, this, this uh, you know, a, a respect to my parents, uh, respect for the family. Like so much comes from that culture that I grew up in. Uh, the closeness of my family and the, the, the priority that I place on family comes from my mother and my mother's family. And that's a, that's a Hispanic thing maybe. Um, the Filipino thing, definitely a Filipino thing. You know, where you share food. You're, you're, uh, and, and that's why I still, I still, I still absolutely adore Filipino people. Mm. Um, actually, before I, before, when I picked New Zealand to come back from COVID, the choice for me was Philippines or New Zealand, and it was really, really tough because I was like, I'd be happier. I think I would be happier in Philippines. Like Filipinos just make me happy. Mm. But there's more opportunity in New Zealand. I could be with my family as well. Right, yeah. So it was, it was really tough. So um, I'm definitely a a blend of a lot of different components. I went to an international school and that's where the accent comes from. So I had a lot of American teachers and growing up, I was, a, I was, I was, I was very, very short and I dreamed of being, play, being a basketball player in the NBA. Um, I didn't realize how important genetics were. Uh, I thought hard work <laughs> would overcome everything. Um, and, and so really, it, really it, it became a blend of this. Many years later, this is still a massive component of my life because my film festival is called the Third Culture Film Festival. The Third Culture means, uh, there's a term that already exists out there, it's called a Third Culture Kid, but Third Culture in general means you're not your parents' culture, so your father's or your mother's, you're, you're a Third Culture. Um, and, and a lot of kids that grow up in that, they can, they can either celebrate being a citizen of the world or they can experience a lot of anxiety because they feel like they don't belong. Right? And, and, and that's a subject that I, I, I'm absolutely fascinated with. I, ha I had my own podcast with that, with Third Culture, uh, Third Culture Podcast. We had a magazine about it. It was something I'm very, very interested in because we would discuss things like, um, so let's say I'm Chinese and let's say I'm born in America. They call it ABC, American-born Chinese. Now, you're born in America, 
But when they see you, they see a Chinese person. So you're considered a foreigner, right? Even though you might uphold American cultures more than some other people, right? Then you get told to go back to China, you go visit your grandmother in China, now you don't speak Chinese. Now they look at you as American. So where do you belong? Where's home? And that, that got me interested in where's home? What does home mean to you? And home is so personal. Could be family, could be tied to location, could be tied to a culture. And this is something that's very, very tied to the entertainment industry because this is something that they're debating all the time in the content that they create. Do we create uh, movies and TV shows that have diversity fed into them? You know, Taika, Taika just gave a speech. Taika Waititi just gave a speech at the Hollywood Reporter uh, Raise Our Voices uh, gala. And he said something like, I'm, I'm tired. Taika said, I'm tired of seeing shows with forced diversity. Because I don't know anybody that has a group of friends of one black guy, one Chinese guy, one Western guy, blah, blah. It's, because it's not realistic. Hmm. What we need is to see more shows, more diverse shows. And he, was, and he gave a really good example because I like watching Succession. But it's all white people, right? Because it made sense. It was logical, right? I like watching Beef, right? Beef is all Asian. Right? But you could still see yourself in those stories. Mm. And I think that's something that people are missing nowadays in terms of storytelling, to bring it back a little bit before I rant too much, <laughs> right? is, um, <laughs> is, um, is we've, we've lost what, what, what makes a good story in finding commonalities that are deeper than your skin color, right? It's, it's, and, and that's also what third culture is about, is finding what values... What, that, what values we share by telling these stories, right? I don't have to, and I, and I, I find it very sad when people gatekeep stories. Like you, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to relate to this story because it's not your people, it's not your culture. Then why share stories at all? Why share anything ever? How are we ever gonna share anything if we can't even share stories? That's the forefront of how I'm gonna get to know you. Like if I, if you were a complete, if you came from Mars, Right? And I met you, right? And we were all on our guard. The first thing that we would that would help lower that and get to know each other, we would tell stories that we can then relate to each other. Right? It's like, oh wow, you have kids, I have kids, I understand you a bit better, even though you come from a different place. Okay, so your kid's got four arms, my kid's got two, but your kid keeps you up late at night, so does mine, mm-hmm. right? There's a story we relate. Now it's commonality. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, you don't know anything about what it's like to raise a Mars kid because we've got four arms. Okay, cool. Now there's no now there's no way that we can start to relate to each other. So yeah. stories is essential to yeah. understanding yeah. each other. Yeah. It's it, it's touching that, on a, just, an, an interesting really. <laughs> I, interesting went, I don't know where I went from that. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all right. That's all right. This is the point of this. Uh, it's just a conversation. Right? Yeah, and this conversation is one my it's one my students hate me. Because what? we have two hour class, I talk for an hour and then they're like, come on, like, can we do some yeah, acting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think it's I think it's good to explore these things. Absolutely. I mean it's like and this is, you know, the purpose of this is to have a conversation like we were just down the pub talking about stuff and what crops up crops up, right? Um, I suppose my job is to try and maybe steer it towards it as sort of about life, work and legacy. But we are talking like about that. that, right? Well look, I mean, so I just blame it on you. Yeah, blame me. Fantastic. Most people do. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, look, on a serious note, and I, I'm not sure even if I want to go there, but, but it, there's an opportunity, so we'll take it. You know, you're touching on there what is quite a, a topical topic, but, a, but also a sensitive topic. Yes. About race relations and diversity. And, you know, this, there's a lot of, about this in lots of different um, forms globally now. Uh, big topics of conversation. And 
And actually, in some, maybe some quarters, people don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. People do want to talk about it. Um, and I'm not so sure whether all this stuff is actually um, helping mm-hmm. or whether it's detrimental. I'm not sure. I don't know from my position. Um, who I am mean, I as a sort well, of cynical well, let, kind well, of middle-aged su- white guy to, to yeah. judge this kind well, of stuff? Well, let, right? let me support you on that. I, I feel whenever you, <laughs> we come to that situation of should we speak or shouldn't, I think choosing to speak is always better. And having more voices is always better. And trusting that our audience and the people are educated enough and intelligent enough that they can decide for themselves Mm. which voice they want to hear the most. And the thing is, until we start discussing, we can't build stuff. We can't build upon things if we bu- everyone shuts up because either they feel guilty or they're too shy or they don't know enough or whatever. I feel we, we need, for, that's why freedom of speech is so essential, which is why, you know, coming, coming from different cultures, you appreciate some of the things so much more. And freedom of speech is essential. Platforms like this is essential to allow discussion because that's how we can share and we can evolve. Without that, you're, you're going to create more separation um, uh, well, there's a famous saying about you know fear can grow if you don't address it, but otherwise it's just this tiny thing. As soon as you shine a, shine a light on it, yeah. and it's exactly the same thing with that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's a sensitive subject, but we are becoming a smaller planet year by year, right? You know, more people travel becomes easier. Or, or sharing sharing content becomes easier. We're going to run into each other more. We're going to be able to share cultures more. So how do we want to do it? Do we want to share cultures? Do you want to uh, yes. quantify what I mean by that? It's just a thought, random thought that came mm-hmm. into my head. And because and, and in some ways I feel like we, we need to. And I, I'm a person mm-hmm. who's like, I come from a multicultural society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we live in one here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes it feels like we, we don't want, we want some sort of segregation. We want to be separate. And, and look, I, I'm, I'm completely aware. I'm not that naive. I'm a but middle-aged but white but man. Why? Where, does, from where does that come from? Well, that's what I mean. I don't, I don't know where it's coming from. There's, there's different opinions. And I said for here in New Zealand, for instance, we, uh, that, you know, we, we're all now looking at uh, needing to be able to speak um, Maori, to, to our Maori, mm-hmm. right? Um, because because it's, it's everywhere. And, and some people don't agree with that. Um, some people think it's too much. Some people think it's great. I, I don't know if we've asked, say, for instance, as, a, as an example, have we asked Maori people if, if they actually want us all going around speaking their language, adopting their culture, or did they want us to just accept their culture and embrace it? So, I, so, so I've always found that really fascinating because um, coming from... That's why I think, again, more voices, more experience is better. The more of the world you've seen, the mm. more cultures you experience, the better. gives you more perspective. Mm. Uh, see, you get to see what works and what doesn't and why, why it works and why it doesn't work. Um, I always found it so interesting because so many, so many cultures. So even, even uh, let's say my sister lives in Spain, right? If I go to my Spanish friends and I say, oh, I'm going to visit my sister in Barcelona. They're like, why, why are you saying Barcelona? Just say Barcelona. Like you don't speak <laughs> Spanish well, right? Don't suddenly pretend you can speak Spanish. Why are you going to do that? That's the majority of most people with a lot of their countries. It's like, don't suddenly, you know, but the thing is, but the thing is there's, there's, there's words there's like French words in the English language, right? And we try to get it right, you know. We try to say it with a bit of panache because, you know. And so there's 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 opportunities to blend, and it comes with a trial and error. I don't think we have to have a blueprint on this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. I think I think you know there's guidelines, but I think one thing that definitely doesn't help is the sensitivity around it. 
I think, and one of and one of the things that adds to that is that there are people who gatekeep culture, right? And I, and it's such a shame because what happens if you as a white man are super interested in a culture, right? And they go, you can't because it's not your culture. Yeah. That 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 is a major roadblock that yeah. serves no no benefit. Right? The fear maybe is that if you if you if you are curious about the culture, you're gonna dilute it, dissipate it, it's gonna lose its its sovereignty, it's gonna lose its power, right? But uh, that's why I actually wrote a play about this just to get people thinking. Because again, the more voices, the more you think about it, the more you can clarify your thoughts, the mm. more you can see different perspectives and not be afraid to discuss different options without going, oh, you can't say that. Then we can't even discuss it. We've got to be able to discuss it. Discuss the options, what they look like. So I'll give you an example. I wrote this play, and it was about um, this guy. Uh, he's a kung fu master in China, and he's the last practitioner of this style. And he's going to teach it to his grandson, but his grandson doesn't give a shit, right? And there's this white kid over in Sweden who knows about his grandfather and he studies Chinese and he moves to China and he does whatever it takes to study with this guy because if he doesn't study with him, this style is going to be lost forever, right? Now everyone turns around and goes, that's not, your, that's not your culture, that's not your bloodline, that's not your heritage, that's not your ethnicity, that doesn't belong to you. But if he doesn't care, if he doesn't appreciate, it's lost forever. So what would you rather that it's only going to be descendant through the right people and who determines that, or that the essence of what that culture is, lives on, because the, the value that it has to, that, that it offers us as a people, as a society, as a global society, is worth it. Mm. Right? And that's how we've got to see things. We've got to see, okay, what's of value, what isn't. There are some traditions and cultures that are not good, right? But we have to decide that together culturally mm -hmm. and that's where like this is a, this is something that i've i've talked a lot about with third culture it would come up to stuff like we would talk about um bullfighting you can't say anything about bullfighting you're not spanish you don't understand what it means to our people uh, is that a valid statement kind of mm -hmm. right because this is it's a spanish issue right? it's a spanish cultural thing they're the ones who really appreciate it so we got to leave them to decide on it right but can you can you have a voice in it? Can you offer some suggestions? Can you offer some opinions? There's, there's a lot in this area. Eh? I, I think, you know, because so one of the reasons why I'm asking the question is because there's, there's a term and I can't, I think it's something like cultural appropriation. It is cultural like appropriation, yeah. Yeah. So, versus, you know, so cult versus cultural appreciation. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I think there's some, you know, we get confused by things, right? You know, what should we do? What shouldn't we do? What can we do? What can't we do? Mm -hmm. You know, there's always going to be some people who oppose whatever it is that we do. So I think that's probably what creates a little bit of sensitivity and, and, and tension mm -hmm. around having the open discussion, like you quite rightly say. About and it was the, but it's the same with actors, right? Can you only play your race? Can you only play your sexuality? As a straight white man, you can never play a gay role because you're taking it away from other gay, gay, gay actors. Yeah. You shouldn't be in a wheelchair because now you're taking it away from disabled actors. Then what's the point of acting? Can only play yeah, yourself. I must admit that's that's been a thought. Oh, I've I've heard those arguments, yeah. and and there's some validity to it. I think to a to a degree. I, I watched a a movie, and I was quite impressed that um, it was Coda, C O D A. You know, mm. um, Child yeah, no, of a Death. Won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it went to a three actually, but it was great movie, uh, and and clearly, you know, I think three out of the four members of the the main uh, players in the cast were, were actually deaf. And and so I you know I thought it was a great movie for that and it got but it got me thinking about about that topic that you just said there mm -hmm. and, and actually you know acting is 
the ability to not just be turn up and be yourself, but be something someone else represent mm -hmm. something, mm -hmm. a different perspective, like you're talking about. And, and so like, that is the very essence of what acting is. And so if we start to kind of clamp down on what you can and can't do, then where does it end? I mean, the thing is, like, the thing is, with, with the pushback, there comes extreme hardliners. And I think it was um, uh, Dreyfus. Um, I can't remember his first name. Um, was yeah. Jaws. He said something. Like, oh, Richard Dreyfus. Uh, yeah, yeah. He said something. Um, he said something like, uh, movies is art. And you can have an opinion, but nobody should be telling you what to do in art. Mm. It's not politics. This isn't policy. This is an art form. Yeah. So why are you why are you why are you putting politics into art? Mm. There's a very very valid statement for that too. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I was part of discussions in London um, about how to proceed with these things, especially coming from a third culture perspective, having a lot of these the, these discussions. Um, and again, another scenario. Maybe very relevant for New Zealand. Let's say, I think The Rock was part of it. <clears throat> Let's say Samoa or one of the islands, right? Not Samoa because The Rock's Samoan. Let's say one of the islands had a fantastic story to tell, right? Nobody in the world knows about it or cares. Now The Rock heard, hears about it and The Rock's going to make a movie about it. So now the whole world knows about it, right? But The Rock's not Tongan or he's not the, the, right, the right Polynesian. Okay. Should he be allowed to do that? Right? In that in that first argument, no, he's not, because we should be al allowing them to do it themselves. Right? But the thing is, if you don't allow a star to be part of it, then they're not going to get the same platform. And that's why I think it, it's got to be a mixed thing. Because let's say something like Coda. Let's say Coda didn't have the right support to win an Oscar, and it was a fantastic movie that no one hears about. Right? Or if you had an A-lister, play a part doesn't have to be all the parts are A-listers and it gets totally transformed like gods of Egypt, right? So let's say they have a part to help elevate that story. Now more people, now more people hear about it, that those actors that, uh, that are disabled get to work with an A-lister. Maybe that helps launch their career. And so that's a really nice collaboration. I think, I think everything has to be taken um, in, in measure. Because you don't want to take it completely over and it becomes a Hollywood thing. You don't want to lose the sovereignty. And Taika said the same thing. If you put key positions, right, if you make sure that the showrunner or the producer or whoever's in charge paying the bills or, or, or is, is, is handling the money is of that right ethnicity or has the right um, uh, cultural mindedness to tell that story, then you can adapt. You know, you can put someone here isn't, take this one over, you know, and mm. and I, I remember I remember hearing so many times about people like Johnny Depp, especially before this became an issue, uh, Johnny Depp taking on roles, and you, and you get welcomed into that culture, and they're grateful that you tell the, tell the stories and you give the platform so everybody can hear that story. Isn't isn't that what the goal is? Like, well, let's not lose sight of what the goal is. The goal ultimately is let's tell great stories that everyone can relate to. Okay, so who's best? to do that role who's best to serve that goal right mm -hmm. yeah it's a very interesting topic it is it? very interesting topic. and we can honestly we can and, and i don't want to well no it's fine I, i'm interested in it okay. I, and so we we can go there i mean this is supposed to be about you anyway, bring so me back again talk about my life then you know, well no i'm sorry you missed a chance <laughs> you missed a chance um <laughs> but um, but this is about your life it's about your perspective on life right uh, <laughs> And uh, on, and on these topics, so so it is. It's still about you. 
Um, I will get to you soon enough anyway. Can you not cut clips of me? <laughs> just like for like clickbait. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so is there is there a flip side of that? I was just thinking about some of the, you know, some of the TV that I, I don't necessarily, I haven't watched myself, but I've seen bits and pieces of it. And I'm trying to think of some of the, some of the TV I've seen where they're, they're kind of historically incorrect. Yeah. As in, you know, you've got kings and queens that are, you know, Afro-Caribbean and, and uh, personally, I, I don't really give a crap. You know what, go I'll on, be name, honest with name, you. Name some names. I can't, I can't we'll remember. Put your, put your, I can't put remember the name of them because I haven't watched them. tiptoe. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not. It's not that. It's it's because um, come in the deep end with me. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd be happy to if I could. If I could okay, remember, I'll, I'll give what's, you. I'll give you. I'll give you some examples. Yeah, go I'll on. give you some examples. So let's say something like um, we'll start off with a soft one. Something like "Girl with a Dragon Tattoo." It's a fantastic mm. book. Mm. The original uh, Scandinavian movie, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Right. Then they ho ho Hollywood Hollywood fired. It's not as good. Okay, mm. but that's them taking something else and then making it mm. appropriate for the rest of the the Western the Western cultures. Yeah. So the thing is, like that that happens a lot with um, with other stories, with Asian stories, uh, minority stories, mm. and then they 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 cast what they just they just adapt it slightly, mm. and then they cast Western actors, and then you lose the opportunity for those people to have their story told in the way that it should be told because it's their story. Yeah. That's that's the downside to if you just let it run rampant or if you let the the money people take all the stories. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's the same with, let's say, like comedians. Right? If, you if you have a group of famous comedians that have all the money, they can just steal jokes from, from, from the up-and-coming ones because they're never going to get the platform. The mm. big difference now, though, is, the, is that we have more platforms. Right, and the internet is a great leveler of all the stuff, and that's why that's why there's been a lot of pushback. There was a lot of like, okay, let's make sure everything's diverse. Now it's coming back because the internet has allowed people to voice their opinions, allowed to do a lot of research, and allowed to put their own content out there, which is super interesting because like that that is that is the um, that is the great leveler is the the internet has has been able to connect people, voice their opinions more. It's the, it's the thing that's allowed more voices. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's, it's very fascinating. So so from an acting point of view, mm -hmm. um, how, how are you finding this whole kind of scenario that we're talking about? How does that play out for you in finding roles and opportunities? Does it, you know, is it having an impact on massively, the industry? Massively. And in what way? I mean, ma massively for me personally, because um, what am I? Right, and I get I've been told this my whole career. Like, what are you? We need to be able to sell you, right? You're English, you're not white enough. You're Asian, Asian culturally, Asian a little bit in your face, right? Maybe if we surround you with Asians and dress you a certain way, you look more Asian, mm -hmm. but then you're not Asian enough. Right? And you hear a lot of the mixed race actors get this, right? You're not Asian enough, you're not white enough. Because we're we're pushing an Asian lead because we have to tick that box. So there's a lot of tick, uh, box oh, ticking. Loads of box ticking right now, right. rather than based on talent, right? Rather than based on you know, yeah. um, the content of your character. That's not. But then, and the thing is, at the same time, like there's no point in me raving against it because um, because it it makes sense. It's 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 a visual, primarily visual medium, right? So the first thing people are going to see is is the color of my skin, right? So is that appropriate for that role? I mean, there, there's so many examples. I remember when um, 
I remember when Scarlett Johansson got cast in Ghost in the Shell, right? And they complained that it's a, it's a white actress playing this role. And then the Japanese people, if you ask them, how did they feel about it? They said, if you look at the manga, you look at, she's meant to be white, right? Although it's a Japanese story, we don't want a, a Japanese actress because the character is this sort of, you know, white androgynous, you know, and it's a fantasy. And I, I get really upset with fantasy. It's funny because in New Zealand, I, again, I came, I came back. I'm like, guys, I'm here to work. What is there? Oh, you look, you look Maori, right? Especially in the sun. I'm very white right now. Like, I, get, I, get, I get a lot darker. Mm. You can play Maori. Okay, but if anyone finds out you're not Maori, you can't play Maori. Okay, so let's not play Maori. Oh, you're not white enough and you can't do the New Zealand accent. You can't play New Zealander. Okay, so, so what can I play? Wait till Lord of the Rings comes back and you can be an orc. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so, so, yeah. so again, so again, and this, and this is what I teach my students, uh, especially nowadays, right? Don't complain about it. Do something about it. If I want to tell the story, right, and I really want to showcase my talent and my abilities and let my talent speak for itself, I've got to make it myself. Right? I've got to find the people to make it myself, and you see that happen with a lot of talented actors and people, talented artists in general, that don't fit the mold, like a Ricky Gervais, right? Like Ricky Gervais started, and this is before we get into ethnics, right? Ricky Gervais started. You're gonna tell me that's what a leading man looks like? Uh-uh, right? Ricky Gervais wrote, wrote his own material. He creates The Office. And with The Office, he brings his own people with him. And that's the best thing that um, the, the aspiring, artists can do now is to see themselves not just as actors but as creators whatever that is right as youtubers tiktokers whatever is that you build up yourself right and that's why i'm fascinated with what you do because that's that's what i'm teaching them now you can't you can no longer go back to the james dean marlon brando era where it's like i'm gonna work on my talent and sit and wait right and the director's gonna discover me well i'm really good looking and i'm gonna pull blue steel and someone's gonna find me no Right? There's so many voices, there's so much content out there. So if you want to separate yourself, don't... And the thing is, how would you feel if you rode the coattails of diversity box tick? Right? I'm an Oscar winner because the first opportunity I got is because someone wanted someone semi-Filipino. Right? Rather than someone going like, shit, Harry's super talented, I want him in my yeah. movie. Yeah. Right? You, would always, you would always have that little chip on your yeah. shoulder. Maybe not like get you get get started in something you know and then move on. Yeah. I also find it really sad when I hear really good actors having to turn down roles because they feel embarrassed, even though they've always wanted to play that story. You know? Yeah. yeah. The so, best the best thing now it goes back to more voices is create more stuff. Yeah. Become a writer. If you if you can't write, if you can't direct, you can't produce. Become a great networker. Make best friends with the director, right? Yeah. Help him achieve his vision as long as you got it in the contract that he's got a role for you. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. I suppose, you know, this, it's kind of, a, again, a little bit of a two-sided um, coin, obviously. But um, the fact that there's more opportunities for people to have a voice and more platforms, as you've talked about, you know? So anyone can put content out there now. We don't have to uh, be a, you know, James Dean and we'll sit back and wait for a director to come and choose us. We can go proactively and, and put stuff out there whether it's good or not right we've got the freedom to do it mm. does that also create a lot of noise and, and disruption for people like yourself who have chosen to follow that path as a, as a career and and have you know uh, have been working on a craft 
and, and actually, you know, are probably more um, professional. Does that does that kind of, you know, just the sheer volume of stuff that's out there? Does it does it make it? I mean, on top of what we've just been saying, that now you've got people who are very picky and looking to tick boxes about, you know, who fits in what role. Is, is, is now a, a good time to be an actor or a hard time to be an actor? Interesting question. Um, I think it's always been an extremely tough competitive industry because the nature of acting is, <laughs> is, is it's, it's so readily available, right, in that you wake up tomorrow, get out of bed, and you say... I think I'm an actor today. Boom, you're an actor. Who says you're not? Right? Because the thing is, the chance of you getting cast is going to be based on how you look, blah, 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 life experience, whatever, mm. not based on your training. It's not like you need a degree in acting before you can become an actor. Mm. Right? As long as you've got the right look, boom, you're on screen. And then now you've got a way accelerated career path than I've ever had. Right? So it's already by nature, because it's so open and because it also has that prestige, so many people want it. Right? They, all, they don't realize the hard work that goes into it, right? but so many people do it. Now, the thing is, just like any industry, and that's where, it, that's where it becomes relatable to a lot of people in other industries, just like any industry, the more that people desire it, then the more competitive, the more sturdy you have to make your mindset, and, and you have to figure out why do you want to do it. Let's take, let's take YouTube, for example. YouTube is a really good, really, really good example because um, it's not acting. Okay. I want to be a YouTuber. What do you need? As long as you've got a laptop, you've got a camera laptop, just press record, now a YouTuber, right? You've got one view, doesn't matter. You're technically a YouTuber, right? Now there's thousands of YouTubers, more than ever before, now they're making careers out of it. They're streaming, you've got Twitch, Kick is a new platform, you've got all these different platforms. Rumble, all these different platforms. Where we, where now the competition is so massive. Okay, why do you want to do it? Why do you want to do it? Now some people, right, some people might not get millions and millions of views, right? But they want to share their passion. They're, they're into Lego. They're into Warhammer. And they find a little community. And they, 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 they're, they're happy, right? Because th this is an outlet for them to connect. And this is, their, this is their goal. And they tick their goal and they're happy, right? The same can be with some actors. Some actors just want to play Santa Claus at the Christmas Panto. Does that mean they're an unsuccessful actor? No. Are they ever going to win an Oscar? No. Do they need to in order to be a successful actor, to be a happy actor? No. Right? And that was something I learned very, very strongly in one of my acting classes with one of my teachers. She said to, she said to us, because we were all so hungry, she said, when are you going to be happy as an actor? Right? Is it when you win an Oscar? Then your happiness for your life career is going to last five seconds and they play the music, kick you off. Right? Or you have to be happy with the journey. You have to be happy with the struggles. And if you're happy with that mindset in whatever you do, no one can take that away from you, right? So the same thing is when you ask me that question, okay, it's more competitive now, there's different platforms, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. But why did I get into this in the first place, okay? What has acting given me, right, that those people, those things can't take away? So much. Let's talk about that then. So <laughs> nice segue. Thanks for prompting me. So I'm talk, doing, talk, talk about talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that. So what? Why? Why did you get into acting? What is it about acting that's that's drawn you in and 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 grabbed you? I mean, not just acting. Obviously, there's there's the writing. There's a 
uh, producing, directing, the whole storytelling gambit, right? But, you know, it stemmed probably from acting, if I'm correct. Yeah. It, it, it really, it, I don't want to get too metaphysical or spiritual, but I, I really was at a point upon graduating university where I was looking at my fellow graduates and we were all, you all hit that wall where you're like, what do you, it's like, it's almost like the first time you've ever looked at it. Like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, what is life about? Before it was like, you know, GCSEs, A-levels, AS levels, get to university, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's always the next step. Now it's completely open. That's what life's about. And some people, it hits way, way earlier because they don't have the education system to give them those steps. What, what is your life going to be about? Okay. When I looked at the people that, were, that prioritized money, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't see them. They didn't have a personality, right? I, I just saw that. And they, and they would all backstab each other, whatever. They would, they would, they, you would have the same CVs. It's like robots. They're entering a system. One of the things that captivated me about storytelling is you see people. You see what people are passionate about. And through that lens, you're seeing what life's about, right? And, and, and you, start, you start asking yourself questions like what, what do you want your life to be about? What is the meaning of life? Is life about living a long life? Or can you have a rich life but it ends early? Right? Is life your career or is life family? Or is life the, your community or life what you're going to give back to? These are all different things and they all have different values depending on your cultures, depending on your upbringing. Right? But it, it, I, I needed a lens through which to be able to connect with, to, to connect people and be able to see them through that. And so that became something I was really interested. I, 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 I looked at a couple options. I was very interested in psychology, but at the same time, I didn't want to come from a, a judgment perspective, right? I just wanted to become into a very free perspective of just tell me about you. And, you know, maybe it's like, okay, you should be a talk show host. But I, I at that time, I wanted to, I, I liked the, the constraints of a story. I liked the formats of a story. It's not as, it's not as invasive as a investigator <laughs> or a talk <laughs> show host. It was like, tell me about you. It was like, tell me, tell me a story. Like, let, let, me, let me see you by what you care about. Let me see you about what story you pick, right? And let's, let's, meet, let's meet there. And that's what I found fascinating about. And like, honestly, one of, the, one of the proudest moments of my life was when I facilitated a film. You know, I, 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 there were steps. I, I talk about it in steps. It's like, as an actor... When you're part of a movie that someone else wrote, that someone else directed, that this whole crew came together, it's, it's a very privileged position, right? And especially when it's done well. And you're all sitting there and you're watching it on the screen. You're like, I'm a part of this story that we, we told together. Like, it gives you a sense of pride. When you are in the higher position as a director or the producer, you're looking at the opportunity that you gave all these people. You're like, wow, look, this actor, first-time actor, look how fantastic they look. Maybe they launched their career. Maybe it launched this passion. Maybe it allows them to dream. And you helped, you helped facilitate that. That feels, that feels more incredible, right? Because you're, you're involving more people. Then I facilitated a film festival. So now I had directors and producers with their actors all getting to show their film sometimes for the first time on the big screen. And now you're facilitating that for a lot of people. And I was like, that gave me a tremendous amount of joy. So I had that with an acting school 
And it's about, it's so much about it is facilitation of that. The thing is, when it comes to like my skills, I know the fastest way that I can translate a story is if I do it myself, right? Because I know I've got certain skills and abilities to do it, I do it myself. But I, I get more joy when I facilitate someone doing it. And how do we get there? You didn't even ask that question. No, I know. That's good. That's good. That's good. Now, um, so what I, what I did ask, but I think you were touching on it there, was what what draw you draws you into acting and what do you get out of it? Yeah. Um, Inici init honestly, initially, it was very selfish. I love singing. I love dancing. I was like, can I be a singer? I love it, but I'm not good enough. Can I be a dancer? I started too late. Can I be a fighter? Yes. Backup plan. Right? Let's not let's not break our face just yet. But it was a backup plan. Because mm. I knew I had I knew I had the love for it and the like the the little screw loose mm. <laughs> to go to get into a cage or something. Especially because the UFC wasn't that big yet when I mm. when I started doing it. Um and acting, especially with 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 I, I was I was I was very fortunate and I recognized that, very fortunate in 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 being a, a combination of so many different cultures and things, and I, and I, I already had a lot of experience um, at that young age, right? So then I was like, how can I use this? Like, where's all this energy gonna go? Mm. Right? And I was like, okay, well, let, let, me, let me act. Let me put it somewhere. Let me sh show it off. So initially it came from like a, you know, a, a selfish, curious place. I, I wanna share something. I mean, I mean, sharing is not selfish, but I mean, I, you know, it was, it was like, okay, what can I do with this? Yeah, you know? I'm reminded there of that um, <laughs> uh, Friends episode. I, I can't remember the exact details of it now, but where we, they were talking about, no matter what you do, it, there's an act, of, there's an element of selfishness to everything. You can't give something away without getting something in return. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, you just reminded me there. I was going off on a little bit of a tangent, but, <laughs> but yeah. So, so what? How did you get into? acting where did it start from you know once you've made that decision this is where i can apply you know where i'm going to get some energy from uh -huh. storytelling i can i can do this uh -huh. where, how did you get into it so um i was a uh, i was i was good at like i was good at taekwondo and swimming and stuff like that that was in hong kong i was i was a ballet dancer in hong kong and then from hong kong very happy surrounded by family my dad's like go to boarding school in England. Right, all boys boarding school run by monks. It's not, it's not anymore. They've got girls there because they thought it was a healthy environment for young men. <laughs> <laughs> but I grew up in that unhealthy environment and ballet, psh, get that out of your system. But uh, I became a choral singer. So I was a singer as a, as like a leader of the trebles in the choir. We made two uh, classical CDs with the monks of our schools. They're called Downside Abbey. Uh, we made two two uh, two CDs that went number one in the classical charts. Wow! You know, um, so I I got introduced to show business like in that way. So it was like performance, like it, it yeah. put performance, but like it's possible, yeah. like to be on that level, it's possible. It's not it's not some unheard of thing that happens in Hollywood. It's like this is possible. But at school, I had an American accent, so I'm not invited to do any of the plays, musicals. I'm invited to, but not the lead. You can be an Oliver, but not Oliver. Okay, cool. Okay. So most, mostly because of the way that I look and my accent. And I also was the, the youngest of my year rather than the oldest. So anyway, so had a chip on my shoulder at, uh, at school for being denied this. So then I was very curious going into Edinburgh. And as you know, in Edinburgh, um, 
Scotland Fil- uh, Fringe Festival. Mm. So I was, I was very, I didn't pick Edinburgh because of that. I picked Edinburgh because I wanted to go to Oxbridge and then mm. huge thing with AS levels. We were the first year and they, they totally, I was, I was a straight A student. They, I got robbed. But anyway, because I could have gone to Cambridge, could have come banker. Who knows? Um, my father and my sister both went to Cambridge. So ended up in Edinburgh. You got the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Okay. I became, um, I was going to become captain of the boxing team. I, I, and I, 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 uh, I was in a very successful martial arts team. So I was, I, was, I was already exploring other things. And then I was like, okay, let me take up dance again. So I took up dance. And through dance, because I, 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 li- I like tap dancing, through dance, I met uh, my dance teacher's brother is a very, very talented uh, Scottish writer called Nick Bain. Right? And Nick wrote his first play that was going to be in the Fringe Festival. And he said, do you want to audition? I never auditioned for anything before. So he let me audition for this, for this director from London. And in the play were all these graduates from RADA, so talented. I completely messed up my audition but the director saw the passion I had for it. I think my, I think my first role, he like put me in the corner as a bodyguard for like an hour. <laughs> I don't think I said anything for an hour. But um, but yeah, we 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 are oh, like the play, the play, like the first play we did got some prestige because it was a little bit naughty. We were discussing um, we were discussing uh, the Danish cartoonists about about whether they could draw the Prophet Muhammad, right? So it was a, it was a dark comedy based on this stuff, and I played a shopkeeper who was selling matches and American flags. <laughs> if you buy an American flag, you get the matches free. That was one of my, that was one of my lines. And that, that play did really well in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Um, Nick and I became very good friends, and the play got invited to be performed in London. So Nick and I said, should we move to London together and I'll pursue acting in London? Mm. So that's what brought me to London. And then it became the decision of, I have no training. And I, I'm really getting into this now. And I have so much respect for these RADA graduates. So I look at RADA, but now I'm like, I'm like 21. And I'm like, I don't want to be 24 before I can start earning money from acting. Like, I want to earn money now. So can I not like study and work at the same time? So I started taking courses in London instead. And in one of these courses, uh, which, which is why I loved it so much, so many of the courses that, that are taught in England, especially back then, are focused on elocution, pronunciation, blah, blah, blah. And every time I took that, I was like failing. You don't sound English enough. Don't do Shakespeare. Your enunciation is terrible, right? And these guys do it better because they're English. I was told that. Then I took this course, and there were uh, two actresses, and they were doing the scene. There's an older, older actress, younger actress, and they're doing the scene, and it was really boring. I was like, everyone was bored. And the tutor went up to them, and she said something, and she came back. And there was drama. And I, and I couldn't stop watching it. And I was like, wow. And I was like, what, what is watchable? What makes this so engaging? They're not Hollywood star starlets, right? They're not incredibly beautiful people that I'm watching them for the aesthetics. So what is it that I'm watching? I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm an outsider that shouldn't be watching this. Like it's like a secret. And most importantly, it's real. I so said, what, what did you say? She goes, this is, this is method acting. Comes from America, method acting. This teacher, Mariana Hill, becomes my mentor. 
and I, I literally do stuff like scrub her floor for acting lessons, and I would stay with her some nights, and I'd do the, do, do, do do like her housework, and she'd give me acting right. lessons as payment type of thing. As payment, yeah, yeah. And she said to me, um, Harry, you need to get out of England because England has a certain system that you're not part of, right? And you don't look appropriate for. You need to get to America, especially New York, where they don't give a shit about what you look like. Am I being nice to her? I don't know. Yeah, of course you okay. um, We don't know what, we don't care what you look like. It's about your talent and the, about the content of your character. It's like, wicked, let's get to New York. She goes, I studied at Lee Strasberg, I studied from Lee Strasberg, go to Lee Strasberg Institute. Show me right recommendation. Got my, um, I did my application and I went. And New York changed my life. Wow. Right? New York changed my life. I arrived in New York when Obama accepted the Democratic candidacy. People were crying in Times Square. And I was like, this is like, this is life. Like, I'm in New York. You dream about New York, you know, mm. friends, everything. And it's like, I'm here. Everyone's going crazy. I didn't take the subway for three weeks. I was so scared. Um, and then I found actually New York's way safer than London. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that, that acting school taught me so much about, um, about life in general. Because so much, so, much of, so much of what we learned initially is analyzing your mindset, right? And analyzing what is it that's holding you back because 90% of it is yourself, mm. right? Uh, Strasbourg had the belief even with something like singing. Like everyone can sing. Why can't you sing? Because someone told you you can't sing and you believe them, right? Or because you were told that you never pursued singing more, at least to understand the basic tonalities, right? And so the same thing happens with a lot of things in life, right? And so I, it was the first time in my life I started to give myself permission to do stuff. I would never have touched Shakespeare before because I felt like this is a privileged role out of respect, right? Because I know super talented Shakespearean actors, and so I would never want to compare myself with them by doing the same work as them out of respect for them, right? But now I give myself permission to do it. And by doing that, I have a deeper appreciation for them. The same thing happened with martial arts. I come from Asia where I know some incredible martial arts. So I never called myself a martial artist, right? I still have a passion for it, practice it. But I was like, don't put me in the same league as these guys by using the same name, right? But then you're putting barriers to yourself that serve who? It doesn't serve them by giving them false respect by putting barriers on yourself. Mm. The best thing that you can be, again, going back to that thing, is by being the best version of yourself and allowing other people to be the best versions of themselves. Yeah. And that's part of that life work, that part of that story, mm. right? Because I want to tell the best story that I can tell and allow other people to tell theirs by either watching me or helping me facilitate them. Yeah. I want people to figure out what their passion is and pursue it fiercely. Okay, not just to have dreams, but to have goals. And how are you going to pursue that? Mm. That's why at the same time, I became fascinated with uh, people like Tony Robbins, right? P uh, uh, Paolo Coelho, alchemist, right? I, I spent a lot of time on my own. Um, and, you know, you reading stuff about how you are the uh, sum of the five people around you. Sure, what happens if you don't have five people around you, right? Some <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> of nothing, okay? Yeah. So then I was like, okay, you know what you have to do is you have to put voices in your head that will elevate you. So I had Tony Robbins every day. I had certain people every day and I became fascinated with this stuff. But all, all the things that they're talking about are all the same things 
when you get to a certain level. My best example of this is like martial arts, right? And I, I, I use so many martial art analogies in life because I say it's the same with acting. If you are born in Japan, you'll learn karate, okay? If you were born in Brazil, you'll learn capoeira, right? Why? Why aren't you learning karate? Because you happen to be born in this country. So that's the culture you grow up in. That's the martial arts that you grow up in, okay? Now, if you pursue that with everything and you're so passionate, you will get to a standard where you are so good at what you do that you can translate your skills to other things. You can learn karate very quickly because what your culture and your upbringing has taught you are the same skills and set of values that are then translatable. And then I can then recognize them in you. Right? And that's the same with everything. And acting does that. Acting is a vessel for that. Acting allows you to examine yourself, examine what barriers are holding you back. Why? Break through those barriers gives you a reason to be the best version of yourself in every aspect of your life. Right? Especially method acting. We look at all senses. And we say, when's the last time? Because you have to act it. When's the last time you, you had a meal and you, you smelt it? If I told you what bacon and eggs smell like, you should be able, you should know what it smells like, right? If not, you're living on autopilot. Why are you living on autopilot? Would your life not be enriched if you took in all your senses all the time? Cool, acting does that as a lens. But at the highest value of what acting does is it's how to live life. And when you're operating on that level, you can recognize people living that same life at the peak, peak level of existence, living your best life. Mm. Acting is just a vehicle with which you can get there. And it's, the most, it's one of the most accessible vehicles because you can do it from anywhere. You can start from anywhere. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm I fascinated bit, I, by... I get, a bit, I get a bit crazy, <clears throat> sorry. No, it's all good. Yeah, it's all passionate. good. But this is my passion. This yeah, is my, it's that, my obsession. Yeah. Yeah. It's what, I, it's what I, I'm obsessed with. It's what I'm most, you can most see that. There's quite a lot in what you've said that I, I'd like to go back to. But in particular, there was, there was a phrase and it was when you were talking about um, in Edinburgh. And you said something, it was just two words, it's possible, <laughs> right? And, but what you were talking about there was the, the realisation that actually, you know, I, I sort of had a kind of a little bit of a aha moment there. There was something you said and it was about, you were describing, you know, kind of what it felt like and you knew it was, it's possible, right? So it's not just, this doesn't just happen in, in Hollywood or it's not only certain people can do certain things. It actually... Anyone can go do this stuff if you want it and you're passionate about it and you're willing to put the hard work in, right? Mm -hmm. And you talked about hard work earlier on. Um, but that's such an important message, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. I think in, in life, there's so many things that feel out of reach that we are not worthy of something or we can't attain things that we want or we can't go in the direction we want because, because, because. And I think as we get older, I was talking to someone about this the other day, as we get older, we go through school we kind of the creativity and the the free willingness of just being open and doing anything kind of almost gets knocked out of us a little bit because as we get older and we become adults we get all the no's and the reasons why we can't and we start to believe all of that crap and so we kind of box ourselves a little bit and Definitely. so just relating but it back to what you're talking it, about it's, it's not just the voices it's the voices that you give weight to yeah, but it can be the voice inside your own head, right? Yes, Which you know, And exactly. you don't know where that's giving, come from. And you're giving weight to that. And you that. give weight to that, right? And it's based on all the inputs you've ever had in the past, but you, so you can't put your finger on where they've come from. But you, you give weight to that. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's, relating back to what you were just saying okay. there about acting, sorry, yeah. it's just around, I, I, you know, 
we were talking off camera before we started this interview uh, and that I said that, you know, when I was a lot younger, I, I loved acting. And what I loved about it, and the same reason I love going to fancy dress parties, is that just the freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. And just letting go. Not being uptight and not kind of playing the role that I think that I need to be um, as is who's me, but maybe the real me comes out mm-hmm. when you get rid of those barriers you're talking or, about. Or you're exploring. That's that's why that's why I feel it's such a shame when there are very strong voices in our head now because we're worried about offending someone or being politically correct or whatever. Because so many of us, all of us, no matter what age, we're not fully explored yet. We still need to explore to become fuller, to live life fully, to share. Um, so if, for example, my, my three-year-old girl loves to experiment and explore, be ashamed if I hamper uh, what, what she's able to explore. Because the thing is, we need, we need the freedom to make mistakes so that we can learn from it. If you stop a mistake being made, then they can't progress. Right? And, it, and it's such a fine line, right? Because let's say she's on the playground. You want her to push the limits of what she's physically possible. You want her to do it on her own so that she can like, develop that self-confidence, self-awareness um, and not hamper her by like, putting training wheels on. But at the same time, you don't want her to die <laughs> right? mm-hmm. from going too far. So coming back to something that I wanted to say, one of the most important things that I feel from my students, which I, I, I didn't seek this position, but I recognize how important it is, is mentorship in your life. Because you need someone to help you find, help you give permission, help you find validation, right? Because sometimes you, and, and it's a really, I, 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 I spend so much time in my life that I, I see the value of both. If you have too much mentorship, too much, too much structure, too much guidance, you can't develop that autonomy and that sense of creativity and freedom and all, all, that, all of that richness. But if you're completely on your own, how do you know if you're going around the, on, down, down the right track? How do you, and you, you're making so many mistakes that could be avoidable because why constantly reinvent the wheel? Learn from greater, smarter, more genius people than you and take their, take their, their guidelines. I don't need to know how a light switch, uh, how the electricity works for me to flick a light and turn it on. So why would I have to start from square one when I can just stand on the shoulders of these giants? You know, Who, whose shoulders do you stand on? Who, who's your, you, you talked about looking up at, you know, Tony Robbins and, you know, who, who, do, you, who do you kind of, um, who inspires you? You know, in, in and outside of the kind of acting industry. Mm. Um, I think, I think, I think first, uh, starting at home, um, I, I recognize, uh, the flaws of my parents, but I, I recognize what incredible parents that I have in it. And so much of it starts from there. I, uh, I recognize what incredible, uh, role model and values that my father set. And then what a compassionate, giving, loving person that my mother is. And it starts from there. Then from there, um, I, I have big debates on, like what kind of father that I want to be compared to my father, even though I, I have so much admiration the way that he brought me up. He comes from a, he comes from a place of um, figure out on your own. That's the best way. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You, you, you figure it out and then tell me about it. Whereas I feel like with my, I want to give much more structure because I didn't have it. 
because I want to avoid mistakes. Also, it is a different, it's a different time period. There was so much more freedom from a less competition that he could, he did have time to explore. Now it's ruthless. You don't have, you don't have the time, right? It's everything so competitive, right? So I want to give him a leg up. Why would I not be? Why would I not give my son a leg up if I didn't have? If I if I if I didn't have the ability to? As long as it didn't hamper the development of his character. If you just give it to him and then he loses that, then that's a problem. Mm. Right? But at least give him some structure. Mm. So then, without that structure, my father had to find it from somewhere else. Right. So I had that mentor in America. You know, who taught me then about acting, but I also needed life mentors. Um, and uh, a lot of it came from from listening to self-help books like Tony Robbins, like Les Brown, like things like that. Now, modern days, I love listening to Joe Rogan, right? Not because Joe is my mentor, but I like spaces which which create the freedom to have voices that then I can pick and choose from. I disagree with a lot of things that some people say that, that they might have a lot of value. You know, Jordan Peterson, very controversial uh, 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 figure. Right, I disagree with some stuff. I agree with a lot of stuff. So I can you can pick and choose. So like now, now you're slightly wiser. When I was when you're younger, you need a bit more guidance, right? And but to find the right guidance is tough. So you have to. It's it's a real tough blend of 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 figuring stuff out on your own and then finding the right mentor. But it's that saying: when you're ready, the teacher will come. So you have to be ready first. Mm, yeah, for sure, for sure. But but that but that's what I have found in my acting school. And the, the, the same thing happens. It is possible. And I see it. And it's a very, very strange feeling because it's like, it's like a father proud moment when you see some of your actors see themselves on the screen for the first time and you just see that twinkle mm. of just be like, wow, like yeah. it's possible. I, I can dream. I can mm. allow to dream. Um, there's, there's this really interesting uh, model. It's a teaching model um, that the Maori have, but that they've used in... Um, I'm teaching, uh, taking a teaching course and they use it as part of the teaching course and it's this model of a house and they say there's, there's four pillars that teachers should be aware of uh, and you must have done this with, it, with, it, with, the, with your life's work um, you know, they, they talk about the spiritual the mental, the physical and then the, the, the environment, the, the community family, all of that aspect the same thing happens with acting the thing is the spiritual journey is, is it possible? When you wake up and you call yourself an actor, you, you're going to pursue a career on YouTube, you can pursue it too. Is it, is it possible? Now, almost everyone, consciously or unconsciously, will have seen someone pave the way for them. Mm. Right? You would have seen a TikToker and you would have gone, I can do that. Right? Whether it's like from a place of I can do it better or I want to be just like that. Sure. Right? Both of those are equally valid. They both give the motivation to do it. But you need that initial, is it possible? Mm. Right? And that's my job as a, as, a, as a mentor to my students to examine, is it possible for them? And what barriers are stopping them from saying that? Right? They don't want to upset their parents. They want to they wanna choose a more legitimate career path, things like that. And we can mm. work around it because then we also need to examine your goals. What is your goals? To win an Oscar? Is that possible? I don't know. That's a very lofty goal, but why not? Right? And again, so when the acting world, again, enhanced my life lee strasberg and it's the saying of our school as well lee strasberg said uh if you can't dream it how are you ever going to live it mm. this is a dream of passion from hamlet mm. you know if you cannot 
I emphasize my job because there's so many other voices out there. My job is to allow people to dream. Let's start there. Dream. Your biggest dream. So what my mother said to me when I was younger, she goes, your dreams are too big. <laughs> Who are you to tell me my dreams are too big? Mm. Who is anybody to tell you your dreams are too big? Why would you ever put a boundary and hamper your dreams? You're dreaming. Dream as big as possible. Mm. How do we even know this isn't a simulation? Right? Dream. Yeah. If you can't start, you have to start there. Right? And some people have so many more barriers than others. But when you see that break and then they start seeing this possible, that's why acting then just becomes a tool. Maybe it's acting that made you break through that barrier, right? Maybe you're an incredibly shy person and through acting, you and you're like, I'm not shy anymore. But then doesn't mean you pursue a career in acting. Now you've become a lawyer, right? But where did it come from? Acting gave me that initial belief. What's your dream? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's my dream? I'd like to take a moment to talk about one of our sponsors. I'm really pleased to announce that we have Sharp New Zealand as a sponsor. And it's great to have Sharp on board because as a customer, I can speak about their products and services from personal experience. And it feels good to be able to endorse and recommend a company because of the level of satisfaction we have regarding the services they provide. And across my businesses, we've certainly been impressed with the care and collaboration we've experienced in our dealings with Sharp. It's certainly a brand that we trust. Sharp has a long history of creating breakthrough products designed to meet the needs of people living in New Zealand. Sharp's leadership in technology innovation ensures it's at the forefront of the pack, providing business solutions from printing and photocopying to interactive meeting solutions and ICT phone systems. No matter where you are or what size your organization, whether you're large or small, Sharp New Zealand can provide their services to you nationwide. If you're looking to upgrade your technology or renew your photocopier leases, talk to your local Sharp team or visit the website at sharp.net.nz. I, I would like to... I would like to have a vehicle through which I can facilitate other people's stories. So my film festival my film school, my acting school, and be able to make a living from that, a good living to provide for my family. Right? I don't have to be an Oscar winner. I don't have to be a multimillionaire. I want to be able to derive my happiness from facilitating others, but make sure that it pays me. Right? Because um, I think if you just pursue that happiness without that balance of, okay, well, you still got to take care of yourself. And that changed a lot when I had, when I had my son is I think there was an element of self-sacrifice. Uh, there's still an element, that's why it's constantly a work in progress, an element of, okay, you're pursuing art, starving artist, right? Well, now I can't be a starving artist. I got to be a damn successful one because I got a son to pay for. Otherwise, you can't be an artist. Mm. And that's something that I like to examine now with my students and my fellow artists. It's like, why do, you, why do we have that perception of if you pick art, you've got to be starving? If you pick art, it's got to be a... Right. If you pick art and you say it to your family, you're gonna go, oh gosh, Are you sure? <laughs> like why? Like why? Like why do we not have the attitude of, okay, you want to be an actor? Okay, saddle up. Yeah. Right. It's gonna be a tough road, but the goal is gonna be amazing. Right. You can be a multi-millionaire. 
right? If you do this, but you've got to work your ass off. I think that's a much better framework. If you want to do this, let me tell you what's involved. If you still want to do it, let's do it. Let's go hard. Yeah. I think that's a much, much better way frame, framework to do it. It's interesting, Harry, that when I ask you what your dream is, you still, you still talk about helping others achieve this, right? So I know what you said, that you, you want to, uh, you know, be able to look after your family based on, you know, well, I, I suppose pursuing your art do, do, in do, different but, forms. But, but, but you know what? It's, it's because I, 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 love, I love watching. It's, it's, very, it's very selfish. I, I joked about it with my directing students. I was like, guys, why am I here? They're like, oh, because you love to give back. I was like, no. I was like, why am I here? They're like, so that we can make movies and put you in it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put me in your movies and then secondly, let me watch your movies. Mm. If your movies are crap, it's my job to make them better to the mm. point where I love watching them. Yeah. Right? And then my pleasure is I get to watch them and then I got paid to help, help yeah, facilitate yeah. it somehow. Mm. But sorry, where I was going to go was just yeah. to try and really kind of define yeah. what the dream looks like. So you, you're able to achieve your dream, right? The biggest, wildest dream, you know, that you, no, you can yet. have. But no, what I'm saying is you, could, you can, could, you yeah. can. I what does that, is, what does that look like? What specifically are you doing? Because I know that you, you, you know, acting, directing, writing. Uh, you've got your uh, academy where you, you, you know, you're teaching. Mm. Um, so what specifically would be the dream so, for you. So specifically, if, we, if you're an investor, we get down to it. I am a massive my, investor. Yeah. My, my dream is scalable, okay? Yeah. My dream is scalable. Just because I say a film festival and I want to help people, it doesn't mean that I'm talking one film, okay? Because it's scalable. Mm. If I have a film festival, I've got a production company, why not 10 films? Why not 50 films? Why not 50 films a year? Do you know how much money you'd make from that? <laughs> yeah. and I'm not saying money's the goal it's about facilitating and the money will come then also with the money that you have right? this was a mindset thing that I had to overcome that I had to have some of my mentors help me break through right? because again from the artist's point of view like, you're like you put money aside but the thing is as a facilitator right, with the right goals in mind how much more valuable is the money in that person's hands right? and then in those hands I'm making sure all my people are paid well Right? So I'm, I, I, I never wanted to be a leader, right? Instinctively, I, and acting, acting is the same. Acting, acting is so tough. That's why I don't want them to be just actors. Because acting, you develop yourself to a point and then you're waiting for someone to find you. You're waiting for a writer to write your part. You're waiting for a director to tell you what to do. You're waiting for a producer to pay you, mm. Right? So then I was like, okay, well, someone's got to be the mentor. Someone's got to be leading the way and be more than just an actor, more than just a writer. Got to make the money, got to facilitate, right? Okay, so I, show, so I showed your film uh, at, at the local event cinema. Did that do anything for your career? No, right? Because that hasn't helped you make your next movie. So I will take it upon myself to help your career and in doing so help my career. So my dream is to become of such a status that if I hear your story, I can green light it, change your life. Mm. Right? I'm like, that's a story worth to tell. Don't worry about finding all that shit. Here's the money. Here's going to do it. Here's the path. Go do it. Because helping you will help me, but also I want to hear that story. Mm. Right? And I know that story is going to make money. Like all, all those different things. Yeah. Right? But that's my dream is to get in that position where I can hear stories and go green light that. And, and you're on your on that path now, right? Yes, sir. What's what are, so. what are you what are you learning along the way that might be useful to share as you as you work towards that dream? 
There's so many small-minded people. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta go around. <laughs> I, I will say, I will say, it, it was extremely tough coming to New Zealand because um, you had to start again. And everything that I had done in my life seemed to have no weight here. Like no one cared, right? So, oh, I run a, okay, who okay. Does that work for New Zealand? I've been in this room, do you have a New Zealand accent? I could blah, blah, blah. It's like, it, none of it was applicable. You completely start again. And, um, and, and, you've, was, got, and you've got a Kiwi uh, background, right? So your yeah, family's fifth, Kiwi. fifth generation, yeah. my, my, my great-grandfather was Speaker of the House, so I've got a lot of a lot to live up yeah. for. Um, and I think I think that is also, I think that is also ingrained in me and my father, from his father, his father is this aspect of my life to be of service, right? That that is that is definitely in my DNA, right? To be of service. Um, I didn't I didn't join the army, so I've got to be of service some other how, <laughs> you know, be useful. <laughs> Um, my biggest oh, what you saying the biggest so the what, biggest what are the advice? lessons that you're learning along the way right you know so you've got you've got your dream and you're working towards it but what what's what's some of the barriers hurdles that you've you've had to get over and you and you have maybe there's some nuggets of insight there as to what you've learned along the way is 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 that you can always you can always be more adaptable and you have to be you have to be or you or you won't succeed. I I'm actually a massive introvert. I, I don't like socializing at all. It takes me it takes a lot of energy out of me. I, I would very happily live in a cave for a year and not talk to anyone. <laughs> um, but you know, putting yourself in, in those positions where you, you have to you have to network, you have to get yourself out there for the benefit of your whole team, right? And recognizing recognizing for you to for you to be that person to solve it, right? And I and I'm, I'm I've always believed that as a leader, it's like okay, you because the thing, okay for sure there's some skills you can't you can't achieve, right? So let's say I, I need I need an IT guy to 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 solve something because I'm never going to learn coding, okay? Well, how am I going to get an IT guy? Okay, because if, if if I can't persuade him, then I've got to afford him. So now I've got to go get some money to afford him. And there's always solutions to a problem. So you just got to constantly be problem solving. And I, I always say that actually, I think, I think filmmaking and producing uh, is one of the hardest jobs in the world and teaches you so much about just life and entrepreneurship in general. Um, I don't know if you know how film business works, but I, I've always been so fascinated with what producers do because producers don't have any money, right? Producers, sometimes producers don't even, they're not even the writers. So they don't even have the film idea. Right? What they are is they're problem solvers and they're facilitators. So if you've written something, I'll go, that's good. That should get money. Okay, where's the money going to come from? Hang on, I'll go get it. Okay, well, now we need a good director. Okay, well, hang on, well, I'll go find him. Right? And so recognizing that in myself, that I have to be that guy in order to pull this off. Mm -hmm. I have to be the entrepreneur in order to help all these people. Is you have to embrace that rather than go, oh, my God, it's so much hard work. Oh, my God, there's so many obstacles. Oh, my God, there's so many problems. Every time that happens, I go back to something that I learned from acting, right? Why are there so many problems? Why are there so many hurdles? Because the reward is so great, right? I, I never wanted, and I got this from Marcel from Bruce Lee, don't give me an easy life. Give me the strength to overcome a, a difficult one. 
right? Because in that, you are going to have a rich life. And that's the same. It's like, I don't, when I hit these problems, I, I, and the thing is, it's constant balance because it can get overwhelming. It can get incredibly frustrating. You can take three steps forward and one step back. We get, I, it blew my mind when I've come from places like Hong Kong where you speak to investors, you speak to people that are analyzing things based on is it a good return or is it a good idea? Now in New Zealand, you're, you're not talking to investors as much as funders. And their criteria that you have to meet is totally different. Sometimes it's not to do with is the, good, is the idea good or not. It's does it tick these boxes that have nothing to do with whether it's a good idea or not. Sometimes I've got funded for stuff. And then next year I'm like, guys, it's even bigger than last year. Oh, you're not getting funding this year. Why? But it's even better than last year. Like, like what's the issue this time? Right? And then especially in the city without getting political. Right? And it's one of the reasons why I, I, I decided to stay here. Right? Because when I got here, people said, okay, you've got this acting background, blah, blah, blah. Where are you going to go? And it's the same. It's the reason why I started film school here as well. People said to me, you want a film career? Go to Auckland. Go to Wellington. They're the two, city, they're the two centers. Mostly, mostly go to Auckland. Okay, cool. What about the talented people that now I'm meeting? And they don't want to leave because of family, because of circumstances or whatever. Right? Are they not, do they not deserve a shot? Especially when I know how to help them. And then I looked at the I looked at the I looked at the area that we're in. We've got a we've got a port with super yachts. We've got a we've got we've got an airport. We've got gorgeous beaches that are suitable for tourists. Why this is perfect for a film festival. We have so much space. We could build a film studio. Mm. Okay? Then we, okay, then people are like, "Okay, we need the infrastructure for the hotels for the crew." Okay, wicked, because they just need an excuse to build the hotels. <laughs> right? This city needs a brand. Okay? Why not be the Cannes of, of, of um, Australasia, right? The biggest film festivals in Melbourne, right? So many people before, not so much now because we're going through a crisis, were so interested in going that little bit step further to, ch to check out New Zealand, to check out the place of Lord of the Rings. Okay, so why don't we capitalize on that? Capitalize on this city being an incredible destination. Hobbiton's just there. Wine tourism is just there. Rotorua is just there. Right? Come in here. Okay, well, what, what do you need to pull them all in? A facility that helps encourage sharing of stories. So I can be that guy. And I've said that repeatedly since I've got here. I can be that guy for you. Okay, track record. I've got this track record. Track record in New Zealand. Mm. Okay, you want that? I'll do it. Right? Don't expect a smile on my face because you're delaying what's good for everyone. Right? But I'll do it. And that's, and that's, that's the, and because what's the alternative? I leave, mm. I go somewhere else that's easier for me and I abandon all the people that I promised that I would help. That's one option, mm. right? But at the same time, I'm tied to this place because of my family, because of the five, five generations before me. I feel obligation to be of service to these, to this, this country, to this region. I could go somewhere else. It would be easier. You know, mm. I go somewhere else. Maybe it would be better for my son. But at the same time, I've, I've in, the, in the years that I've been here, I've, I've made some very solid connections. I see very solid opportunities. So what, what are the barriers? You said, let's, you know, not get political, but you also said at the beginning of this conversation, uh, you know, just about free speech and just saying it as it is. So what, what are some of the barriers for you in okay. helping to create this you're an film festival? You're an entrepreneur. I have these ideas. Who do I talk to in the city to pull this off, to build a film festival here? Who am I meant to talk to? 
are you asking me yeah. for an answer? Yeah. Well, it depends what you what you need, I suppose. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's probably people with money. You need yeah, to people talk with to. money, but I, I, at the end, of the, I need the city's permission to do this in the city, right? So who do I talk to? Well, I suppose there's not a council, but so uh, <laughs> you have to talk to the commissioners, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've so I've done that yeah. repeatedly. Okay, so so you know, there's there's certain. And what like, what are their what are their concerns? What are their fears uh, or barriers to to someone actually doing something? I remember I had themselves. this I had this very interesting conversation. I don't mean to embarrass anyone because people are just doing their job, and and and, and I. And I don't, the, the, the issue, you know, and I, uh, I don't know if these people are ever going to listen to this, you know, they'll probably turn off my episode, um, they'll listen to you, but not my episode, is, um, and I don't want to shame anyone or anything like that, but the thing is, is when you have such a big vision or you have big goals, big dreams, you, and if you have a certain work ethic and you want to change things or develop things, you're going to run into people that don't like that. Right? And you're going to run into people that don't like change. They they don't like someone showing them that what they've done is wrong or they've been doing it wrong or they're about to go down a wrong path or they're op- op- offering something that has may- maybe been tempered by experience outside New Zealand, right? Which maybe makes them feel um, inferior or, you know, or whatever. But these are the people that mis- maybe because they've been here longer or maybe because of nepotism or maybe because of whatever, maybe because they're built better at socializing, they have a bigger voice. They have a bigger, you know, you know. And the, but the thing is, at the end of the day, I've always said, like, well, what's, what would serve the people best? Right? Because just I, I sh- I sh- I've, I've shared my bank account with these people. And, like, I'm not taking money from anyone. It's not like I'm getting rich off my students. I'm trying to facilitate something that will benefit everyone. So it's, it becomes very frustrating when you come from this place and you're meeting people that feels like they're hampering something that could, that could benefit everyone. And then I say to, say, say to them, if it was from an investor point of view, how much am I asking for that is too much of a risk for you? Because I'll do a scaled-down version of all these things. Give me goals that I can reach that would then mitigate your, your risk. Right, that's what a, that's what an investor would say, right? It's like, okay, you're a good idea. The vision's too big. Here's some stepping points. Here are some goals to hit. If you can hit these goals, you get more money. We'll go on the next step. We'll go on the next year. But that's not. It doesn't seem how it works. It seems like there's certain windows, and like, you know, this year, try again next year. I don't have time to wait. Why are you making me wait? Waiting kills me. I absolutely hate waiting. And waiting and patience is the number one thing that I have not been able to figure out. No mentor has been able to help me deal with patience. In fact, everyone else, and when it comes to patience, they go, leave. Go, every, everyone else that I've spoken to has said, go find somewhere that appreciates you. Go mm. find somewhere that appreciates your ideas or able to facilitate your, your ideas better. Mm. And so I feel very torn. Yeah, but you're a problem torn. solver too, right? So you obviously don't <laughs> want to give up on the problem. Face. It's not fair. No, it's, no, but it's an observation, right? And so that's what's keeping you here is that you actually you you don't do? want to be want to run for politics. Well, you don't want to be defeated, <laughs> right? You don't want to be defeated. You got to work your way through. No, definitely, definitely. So, what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? How do you keep um, plugging away? I mean, you've you've okay, you know, well, studied Tony so Robbins. So, 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 so without without getting too sensitive. Um, um, I feel the other thing about pursuing acting uh, 
it, it, it allows you to look at a lot of darker aspects of life. I have seen people far more talented than me with so much more to offer, pursue their dreams, meet these hardships, and commit suicide. Mm. Um, there is something, there's such a risk in looking inwards and saying, this, this is what I want to be about. This is my passion. I'm going to fully show you who I am. And you face rejection, right? especially with acting. You face rejection, and that, and that feels like you're not enough. Right? Not just your talent or your look. It feels like you're not enough. And so I, I understand so much um, anxiety and grief that comes from people. Because already they're so brave going, I'm going to give this a shot. And then they've got to be even stronger to overcome rejection because rejection is inevitable. It is inevitable for all of us. So you've got to be some of the hardest human beings in the world to pursue a life in art, especially something this competitive, this open, all these things that we discussed. I myself has, have gone through that journey. right? I have myself have, have gone through those questions. Why are you doing this? How are you going to continue doing this? Right? For what are you doing this for? How many hardships are you going to go through? And, I, I, you know, and you, you write poems and you write stories to, to try to help express this. Um, and I remember, I remember, I remember it was, I, 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 there was like one metaphor I was reading. It was something like, you know, it's, 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 a, it's like a sick, because so, so much of it feels like it's out of your control. And that's, and that's one of the most demoralizing things in the world, right? I, I, can, I can accept defeat when it's, when it's my fault, right? When I, when I didn't try hard enough. It's so much harder when you say the game that you play, you're going to succeed or not, regardless of what you do, regardless of your effort. That is such a hard thing to deal with. It's literally you're, you're then gambling, right? So we're going to say, okay, well, well, let's play the odds. Let's play the roulette. Let's roll the dice. And you're going to put everything you've got into this dice roll and you lose. You're like, okay, well, we can't give up. We've got to muster up something and we're going to roll again. Oh my God, how do you come back from that? How do you come back from that? So I talk about this with my students. And the number one thing that, that saves you from these dark places is, is community, right? Is a mentorship. I, I feel family is tricky because family might actually not understand, right? And family, for your, for your mental health, for your benefit, might suggest stuff like, you gave it a go. Pursue something else. Pursue something safer. Mm. We just want you to be okay. You, you gave a shot at your dreams. Now, now give it up. Okay. I'm not your parent. That's one voice. Mm. My voice has to be the guardian of your dreams, right? If we're playing this game, right? And I'm, I'm taking on this mentorship role of I will champion you pursuing your dreams till the end of time, right? If that's my role. Then I've got to say, okay, then how are we going to help you get through these dark times of rejection and depression and things like that? You have to surround yourself with people that understand the same journey that you're going through. And what's interesting is that same journey is the same journey that entrepreneurs go through. Mm -hmm. right? it's, it's the exact same journey. It's, and it's the, exact same, it's the exact same journey that a boxer goes through. Right? And that's why like, I love using that as a metaphor. Because if you're a boxing trainer right, and a kid comes in and he's 16, whatever. And he goes, I want to be champion of the world. <laughs> Come on, mate. 
There's one champion of the world. And how many boxers are there at 16? You really think you'd be champion of the world? I need you to be defiant of my laughter. I need you to be a little bit insane to go, I am going to be that one in a million. I need you. Or we're never going to have a champion of the world. Right? Mm. So as the facilitator of your dreams, I've got to encourage that voice. I've got to surround you by other boxers who are all pursuing that dream. And some of them will fail along the way. Doesn't mean it was a, it was a meaningless pursuit, mm. right? Because along the way, we cultivate other life skills that if you utilize, will help you in, your, in other aspects of your life. But there is something so, so beautiful, right? That m so many people have never experienced and that's exploring yourself. And that's why I just, I take my hat off to anybody that ever does it, whatever realm of life it is, to go, I'm going to go for this dream. I figured out what my passion is, what my dream is, and I'm going to go for it no matter what the odds. Now I see you. Now I see your story, right? And I respect that, even if you make it or not, because it's so damn hard. You talked about mentorship, right? And, and, and I think in the context of you being a mentor for, <clears throat> you um People who are in your acting school, who's your who's your mentor? Who's looking after you? Who's who's helping you with your uh, mental health and well being? You know, when when you like you've said, you're in an industry where there's lots of knockbacks, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, this, we all get knockbacks in life, but at the end of the day, we, we know that uh, in certain industries, uh, knockbacks are part of the game. Mm -hmm. So, how do you look after yourself, and who who's helping you with coaching and mentoring? Yeah, so, so honestly, I found that the, the most difficult aspect uh, since being in New Zealand, um, one of the, my mentors for uh, setting up the school was one of my teachers in New York, and we Skype, um, and he's based in New York. So I don't, I don't have that life mentor with me here. And it's very difficult because I said I, I don't want to turn to my family to have these discussions, mm. right, because they're not, they're not your peers on this dream pursuit journey well they're also right? invested right they, exactly. they they love you and they want the best for you but exactly. the best for you is from their perspective exactly um and so it's been tough it's been tough to develop that community uh the community i've developed uh are my students are my peers are my fellow are my fellow teachers but i'm also their boss and their leader and i also don't want to um What's that saying in, in Saving Private Ryan? You, you gripe upwards, you never gripe downwards. Mm. Right? And so I will never, I don't, want to, I don't want to ever complain down to them mm. and put my burden on them when it's my burden. So I've, I, it's, I found it very tough. Um, so you've got no one to gripe up to, is that what you're saying? No, no, not yet. Uh, but I, I, I'm aware of it. So I do, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. I do try to just, just and I, I learned that from mm. experience. Mm. When I'm alone, I do try to fill my head with voices of incredibly positive people on things like that. Um, the, the gym is a life tool that really um, uh, is like a sanctuary for me, uh, mostly because uh, it's, controlled, it's controlled results. Right. Like I, I, I love the barbell for that. Right. Because it, it, it is a, it is measurable. I know how much it weighs. I know how much I want to progress. I know if I put in effort, it gives me results. It's like, it's like hot concrete. Whereas like what I deal with isn't concrete, you know, it's, mm. it's, 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 it's not the same. So that gives me a, a certain form of stability. Um, I recognize that I do need 
some people to talk to in person. So I've slowly been trying to find um, groups and communities that I can join. Um, every now and then I do run into a fellow filmmaker and it's, uh, I, I said it to them a couple of times. I, was, I, I, met, I met up for coffee with a couple of filmmakers and I remember having that experience both times and I would say to them like, gosh, it's just, it's just so nice to sit with someone that, that like understands, mm. <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, because I haven't had that in a long time. Um, of course, like I have, I have fellow actors, but I'm not, I'm not just an actor anymore. You know, I'm also an entrepreneur. So I, I would, I would also like to surround myself with, with, um, with more entrepreneurs. I'd probably look to join um, like an entrepreneurship group and things like that. Right now, I've got, you know, I've got a four month year old, so it's like it's, it's, it's on the back burner. But I, I have slowly been looking to join communities because I think, it, I think it's so essential. Um, and this is actually something that I've, I've gone back and forth on. I've really thought about it. Whereas like, especially like let's say men's mental health, people say stuff like, well, one of the challenges of, of men's mental health is the culture that we can't speak about it and we should be encouraging men to speak about it more. The thing is, is like, I, I, I was like pro that. And then I was like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because it's like an incomplete argument because I feel like, we should be encouraging men to to open up to their peers, to people that that understand them, that understand those challenges. Then you can open up because they will relate and they will understand. But to people that don't understand, I, especially your the people yeah, that you're you're mentoring, the people that you're taking care of, your family, I I I think being stoic and being the leader and taking on these burdens is one of the most honorable and valuable things that you can do as a leader, right? If I'm looking to my mentor, I want to, I want to, I want to feel like I will charge, you know, over the, go over the trenches because of him. If he's quivering a fear, then it makes me feel like I have to be his leader, right? But that's not what I'm here for. I'm looking for guidance. So he has to be stronger than me. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think it's important as well that you are leading by example and having having those conversations with the right people and, and being open about that so that people can do the same with you. Mm -hmm. You know, so, um, you know, it's not that you don't need to have those conversations. Like, every, you know, coaches need a coach. Yes. That kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, so you're, you know, the people that you're mentoring, if they can see that you've got a mentor too. Yes. Um, I think that's quite powerful. Yeah. 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 It's a good so, point. So where to, where to where to from? I'm conscious of the time. Where where to from here for you? What's what's next? You've obviously expressed <laughs> so a little bit of this, frustration so about so your film so festival, and yeah, like you said, you've got you know there's acting, there's, you've got your acting school, mm -hmm. um, writing, mm -hmm. directing, producing. Mm -hmm. You know what's what's next? What's on the cards for you? There's so much to do. I feel like part of me feels like we gotta we just gotta heat we gotta heat a lot of these irons. Right, we gotta like. I feel like there is this wall that if I can overcome, then the success through which I punch through this one will then carry through through everything else. But I've gotta smash through this initial wall. So right now I'm like I'm testing. I'm testing for the right gap, for the right for the weak spot for which that I can punch through. Instead of just hammering the same spot over and over again, I'm I'm checking different spots, um, and I'm utilizing other talented people to break through with me 
So, um, and, that, and that is a much, I'm not going to say it alleviates the burden, but it's more enjoyable than just being alone. Mm. Um, so, so, so that's, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the verge of punching through. <laughs> and once we punch through, like, it's like, I don't, I don't think, because it's not work for me. Right? I, I, I absolutely love it. And I would just, I would start machine gunning out stories in all these different forms in terms of film, YouTube, podcasts, facilitating my students to help tell, tell their stories. Like once, once I break through, it's, right? And then hopefully it would transform the city and then just transform my family's life as well, transform mm. my students' life. Good sense of. What is there about you that we need to know that I haven't asked about or you haven't told me about? What, what would be good for people to know? I mean, you, you've got all these ideas and, and projects and things underway. Mm -hmm. um, if there's any, you know, anybody listening here that might be able to help in any of those projects, what do they need to know about you that we haven't covered off? Um, so if you, were, if you were an investor listening, right, first I would, first I would say I don't, like, like be smart, right? You know, like let's, let's, look at, let's look at the validity of my ideas, right? Let's not, and, and you've got to temper dreams with goal setting. Right? We can't just have dreams. You've got to have goal setting. So I, want, I would want anyone, because the thing is like, it's, it's like any, any investor, any relationship, especially pursuing these big goals, uh, it is like, it's like a marriage, right? These are long-term long relationships. So we've got to, I'm vetting you as much as you were vetting me, right? I'm looking for the right, the right partners. So I want due diligence, I want to see that you care, not just going like, yeah, that's a great idea, here's some money. No, 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 I want you to check my finances. I want you to check me. I want you to help me set goals that we can achieve together. So I'm looking for that. So, but in that, I would say these things that I, that I think are universal is to have passion, to have integrity, to have grit, to not quit, right? Because that's, that's what will build a strong society regardless of the job you do. That's what will build a strong family. That's what will allow us to overcome any obstacle, not just a current one, right? Whether it's a future pandemic or economic crisis or whatever it is. We, and that's what I'm also interested in with my acting school is I'm interested in developing strong people so that we can overcome anything, whether it's the next AI thing or the next platform, people are making two-second videos, whatever the next iteration is. Strong people, strong rounded creative people can then be artists but not just artists they're entrepreneurs they're producers they're writers directors they're creatives and we can then uh overcome anything and just just to be part of that conversation is 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 a privilege because what's your alternative you know go work at mcdonald's and i just i take an i take an easier paycheck right because i'm just having someone tell me what to do like in, in many respects again that's why i respect entrepreneurs so much in many respects waking up and getting a paycheck is many respects easier than being the one that has to decide what the agenda for the day is, what the agenda for the month, for the year is, mm. right? Mm. So I have, I have so much respect for anybody that creates anything, that pursues anything, you know, that starts something. Mm. Like, I, I, I have a lot that I can relate to. Well, this is the first time I've met you. <coughs> and what I can say is that I c there's no question about your passion and enthusiasm for what it is that you do. It's clearly just not a job, like I think you've said. 
it's it's, it's, it's an obsession who you are it's an, it's an obsession, an obsession. Yeah. and i yeah. really i really like it's 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 terrible because i i it's i it's 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 madness what i'm doing because when someone tells me that they they want to be an actor and like it hurts <laughs> but i'm so excited at the same time and i'm like i don't know god of it i'm like you sure but the thing is again it's about their goals because some people they just want to be in the panto and i'm like and that's wonderful when you see an older person just have the courage to like take the stage again with a younger person, it's, it's, it's wonderful, mm -hmm. right? So, so it's like, I, I've, that's something that I've got rid yeah. of. Like I don't get scared when someone wants to be an actor anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but oh, it's great. And it's great that you've, you're in your element mm -hmm. doing what you do, right? Um, obviously you've got goals and you'd, you'd like to be doing more of it on a bigger scale. You talked about being scalable, but mm -hmm. clearly you're, you're good at it. You, you've, had some, you've had some successes along the way. That's absolutely, you know, um, for certain. And you, you, you love doing it. So that's the important thing, right? That you're, you're in your element, mm -hmm. doing, do, doing what you love and you're good at it. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, keep plugging away. And, and like you said, you're going to break through. You're going to be able to punch through and see, things will follow. It's, it's interesting because the only thing that's missing from that equation <coughs> is that it's making enough financial sense mm. that it can support all those people involved. Yeah. Right? Because it's... it's, it's it's, it's really, really uncomfortable and very sad when you are in this game of dream building mm. and then it's not supported financially mm. and, you ha and you see people drop away because they can't afford it. Mm. That's the worst. It's the worst uh, reason. Yeah. Right? When you're like, oh God, you're like so talented. If only people saw this film or blah, blah. If only you had the money to do this mm. and you can't because you just, you just don't have enough money. It just seems such a, such a stupid thing to stop you from, from yeah. you're right there. And, it, and it's tricky because because we're not there, it's something that I, I have to witness. And I, and I think that that's, it's the case for a lot of arts, mm -hmm. right? A lot of the arts, whether it's performing arts or artistry in, in different forms, music or whatever, that you've got to work so hard to try and break through. Mm -hmm. We can't do without any of it. Mm -hmm. You know, if we didn't have art on our walls, if we didn't have, if we, we couldn't turn the TV on. It was interesting, right? Over, over the pandemic. They say, what's essential work? And they say, definitely not the arts, right? Mm -hmm. Like doctors, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, doctors, health workers, things like that, mm -hmm. um, food, right? But not the arts. Yeah, we're all sitting at home watching Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we can't, we can't live without these things, right? We can't live without music. All of that kind of stuff, but yet it's so hard to mm. to make it and for it to be viable for a lot of people, yeah. right? There's a lot of people. Don't get me wrong; that make a lot of money out of it, and, and good on them for for doing that. But I I, I see, you know, it, it, we know, don't we? It looks like you were just saying, you know, uh, before people will say, you know, really, you, you want to do that? Go do something easier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? it's, it's the crazy. More it's, it's the craziest career path, right? Because you start off and you're like, you're you're. Um, you're starving artist, mm. right? And people looking at you like you're, you're a drain on society, blah, 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 contribute something, go get a job. And then all of a sudden you're super famous and then you're a superstar, yeah. right? And you're like, oh my God, can I just take a photo with you? And you're the best, yeah. right? And now you command shitload of money that you don't deserve, yeah. right? It's, it's the, mm. it's crazy. Mm. Well, look, Harry, thank you for your time today. Um, I think our paths will cross again. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, uh, now we've met. Yes. Uh, so I really appreciate your time and coming and, and sharing your story with us. Um, not just sharing your story, but doing it with such passion. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I appreciate that. I wish you all the success that you deserve in, in your acting and your filmmaking, your film festival, and of course your academy where you're doing a lot of great work with other people and 
helping them on their path and, and towards their dream too. So I wish you every success with everything. Thank you, you so do. much. Yeah. And, you. and you in this podcast, I, I really enjoyed it. I love the setup. It's, it's, uh, it's beautiful. Thank Cheers. You. Thanks, Sorry. Cheers. As you will hopefully know by now, if you've seen other episodes, this segment of the podcast is all about wisdom worth sharing. From our guests who have been living a life that's a story worth retelling. At the end of every interview, I look back as part of the editing process and discover some of the gems that came out during the conversation and summarize them here. It's really nice to be able to invite younger guests onto the show. Often when we're referring to life's work or wisdom worth sharing, we can automatically assume that we have to have been around the block a few times in order to have lived a life that's a story worth retelling. But the fact of the matter is that we can share and learn from those who are living and developing that story. We can gain experiences and wisdom as we go through life, not just collect wisdom tokens towards the back end of it. What was refreshing in my discussion with Harry was his willingness to speak openly, freely and without hesitation and specifically about his industry and the issues faced by actors like himself who are from the third culture. It was both fascinating and surprising to learn of the issue where the likes of Harry doesn't fit into any specific category or race, so they fall through the gaps. He's been told he's not brown enough. Asian enough, white enough, English enough, or even Kiwi enough. From what Harry was saying, the push for increased diversity may be creating inequity elsewhere. As he said, we need to be able to connect on levels beyond our skin colour. In general terms, Harry spoke about the need for freedom of speech. Now, this is a big topic, and yes, there are obvious exceptions to absolute freedom of speech. We don't want hate speech that incites violence, etc., but we must retain the ability to have opposing views on things. It feels for me, and I know that there are many others who feel the same way too, that we have to be very careful about what we say these days. Especially those of us who are a little bit older. The fear of upsetting anyone and everyone is so great that we are now not saying anything at all, and that's wrong. That's not going to bode well for the future. We have to realise this and have the foresight to see the implications of this going forward. If we can't contest or debate anything, then every, everything anyone says must be true and correct. And we know that that's not right. I've found inspiration when talking with all my guests, and there have been opportunities to learn from each and every one of them. But what I've noticed that I get from the younger generation, and it was particularly evident with Harry, is that kind of energy and passion we all once had. It's hard to explain what I mean, really, but... It's like they haven't heard enough no's yet. So they're still a little naive and the world is still full of possibilities. And I don't mean to sound derogatory in any way when I say that. It's wonderful to see it, hear it and feel it again. And it gives me inspiration and motivation to do more myself. The reason I'm raising this is because if we're not careful, we, the older generation of our society, can squash that enthusiasm and passion very quickly. We don't necessarily mean to do that. But as we get older, we become a bit more fixed-minded. We operate on automatic pilot because of all the experiences and inputs we've had over the years. We know the answers and outcomes of almost everything, or at least we think we do. But what if we put the brakes on for a second, created a bit more of a space between the stimulus, like a proposal for a film festival from the likes of Harry, 
and then our response. Instead of reacting swiftly, with all the reasons we can't do something, why not ask the question, how can we? People, all of us, need to feel heard. If we take the time to listen, we can establish good ideas from the not so good. But even when they're not so great, we can make people feel good and encourage them to keep thinking creatively. We might look at some of the younger people these days and through our aging lenses, see the youthful naivety as foolish and immature. They'll learn might be our attitude. We might remember being there ourselves when we were younger. I know I do. I recall being full of vim and vigor, and I also recall how that was knocked out of me by the older generation at the time, who seemingly knew it all, but had either lost the will to apply themselves to anything new, or didn't want anything to do with anything if it didn't benefit them directly. That's at least how it felt for me at the time. But who were the fools, really? Instead of dismissing the youthful naivety, energy and passion, why not look at embracing it and getting alongside them and asking, how can we? It might benefit us all. In Harry's story, his passion, but also his frustration, was palpable. He can see opportunities right there. He can taste it. But there are roadblocks in the way, and instead of working how to work with him and encourage him and those like him, we tend to push them away. He's thinking about possibly moving his family away to a place where his skill set, his passion and enthusiasm would be appreciated and put to use. Now, I'm not suggesting that we as a society or a local community do everything that everybody dreams of doing. Of course, we can't do that. But I think we could consider these options a bit more before we dismiss them out of hand without due consideration. I believe we all need to try and retain some of that youthful perspective, even when the world seems to be offering us nothing but problems. They are problem opportunities. We can't have an opportunity without a problem to solve, or we'll be creating something that's not needed. And as Winston Churchill said, an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Think back to when Harry was in Edinburgh. He discovered that great things are possible. He had hope, enthusiasm, and energy, and he made things happen. Hopefully, you've been able to take many insights away from this interview that you can apply to some aspect of your life, work, and legacy. Use them, share them with others. As I always say, sharing is like teaching, and teaching helps us retain what we've learned and commit to change, which is necessary if we are to enhance our life's work. I hope you're happy, safe, and successful in all that you do. And remember, live a life that's a story worth retelling. I'm Steve Worsley, and I look forward to seeing you next time on Life's Work, the podcast all about wisdom worth sharing.